see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning is entitled, or has the title from the song that we just sang, What Hast Thou Given for Me? We have been talking over the last month about the greatest gifts of God. And we understand that we also need to be of a giving attitude in regard to God. We have received many wonderful blessings from God, both physical in nature and spiritual. And I think all of our lessons have addressed these at least to some degree. But our physical blessings, we have life. We have freedom to choose how we should live this life. Though God desires that we use it in His service, He gives us the freedom to choose whether or not to live for Him. And ultimately, all blessings that come with living. You know, just the things that we experience in the life that we live. Comfort, shelter, provision for our needs. All of these things come from God. And then, of course, our spiritual blessings. And these are the greatest gifts of all. Love. Grace. Eternal life. And as we noticed last week, especially the sacrifice of the life of God's Son, Jesus. All of these blessings, all of these gifts that are given from God are just that. They're blessings. And we should recognize their source. God has richly blessed us. If we are able to recognize our blessings as coming from Him, and we should be. But we have a question that is raised in regard to that. We understand that we are richly blessed and we understand the source of our blessing. As Christians, we understand that the source of our blessings is God. But what have we given Him in return? What do we owe God for the gifts that He has given to us. And this is a lesson about giving. But it's not focused on giving of our means. That's part of our giving to God. But let me tell you, it goes well beyond the giving of our means on a weekly basis. We should be giving to God in every day of our lives. We should be of a giving attitude toward Him for all that He has blessed us with. Our lesson objectives for this morning are first of all to learn what we owe God for His blessings. Because we ultimately have to understand that we do owe God a great deal. Now, we understand that as far as Jesus sacrificed for us, that He paid a debt. For us. And that debt is paid. It is canceled. It's, it's nothing to us now. But we owe God a great deal in regard to the debt that was paid for us and everything that we enjoy in this life. We owe God. So we want to learn what exactly it is that we owe God. And secondly, to return to God our appreciation for His blessings. 
by giving Him what He desires of us. If you ever do something for somebody, don't you like to be appreciated? Don't you think God wants to be appreciated? We should appreciate Him. And we should express that appreciation to Him. What hast thou given for me? We're going to look at this from two different standpoints as far as our lesson is concerned today. First of all, our giving and worship. And then later we'll look at, at giving and life. But how do we give to God and worship? And what does it mean to give to Him in that regard? One of the foremost ways in which we give back to God is through the offering of our worship to Him. And this includes, but is not limited to, our monetary giving. There's more to it than just that. Now we put something in, in the basket, that's great, but, but worship involves giving in every aspect of it. In every way that we worship, in our singing and prayer and and in listening to the sermon and applying it to our lives uh, and partaking of the Lord's Supper, all of these things involve giving to some degree. And in light of how much God has given to us and, and ultimately we see His giving in the gift of His Son, it is reasonable for us to offer to God the best of what He desires of us. When we come together on the first day of the week, we need to be ready and willing to give Him our very best in everything that we do. Now, does that mean that we have to have the best singing in the world? Or does it mean that we have the, to have the most beautiful prayers? No. But in regard to our worship and what we are giving to God, we need to be ready to give to Him our very best. We sing because we love Him. We want to honor Him. Uh, whenever we pray, we, we give full attention to what we're doing. We're going to look at all of those things in a moment. But in every aspect of the worship, we need to be giving our very best. And even in this moment, as we study God's Word together, we need to give God our very best attention to what He has revealed to us in His Word. Now, first of all, whenever we come together to worship, we recognize that we are giving of our time to God, aren't we? We are giving to Him our time. Now, we could be doing something else. And we, we could be sleeping in. We could be doing chores. And, and that's what a lot of people do. But we have chosen to give to God our time. Now this is, is very small in comparison to the rest of the week ahead of us. And especially if you go further than that uh, to the week after that, to the next month, to the next year. It's very small. When we look at it in, as far as a, a weekly standpoint, we, we give to God Two to four hours, depending on, on how you do it. If we attend uh, all the services that we offer. you got Bible study, and our worship service, 
And then you have our evening worship service and our Wednesday Bible study. If you attend just those four things, that's four hours. But how many other hours do you have in the week? You know, four hours is not that much. Four hours is not that much in regard to a day. But it is a sacrifice of our time. Time that we can be using for something else, for some other purpose. But we are sacrificing that time to God. And that's part of giving to Him. It is important that we offer a portion of our time on earth to God. In giving Him our full and undivided attention in praise and honor to Him for what He has done for us. And I hope that we do it in more than just these services that we offer here. I hope that this is not the only time in the week that you offer to God. That you sacrifice to Him. I hope that you have some time that you set aside every day to give God your undivided attention. Attention to His Word. To what He has said to us. Because when we look at God's Word, we understand that He is speaking to us. This is how He speaks to us. And we need to give our undivided attention to that. To understanding it. To applying it to our lives. Attention to Him in, in prayer, in our talking to Him. See, we have ways that, that He talks to us, but we have a way of talking to Him also. And we do so through prayer. And I hope that, that you give time and attention to at least those two things every day. And if not, make it a resolution. Make it something that maybe you make a good habit of. And devote time to God. And we understand that we have a good example in scriptures of those that did give God of their time. The disciples of the first century are a great example to us. Look at what is said of them in Acts chapter 2. And in particularly in verses 42 through 47, we read of, of the events after uh, the church was established. We, we read of what happened to establish the church. They asked, what shall we do? They were told, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. And so they did that. They obeyed the gospel. About 3,000 souls were saved on that day. What happened after that? Was that it? Verse 42 of Acts 2 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. They continued in the doctrine and fellowship of the apostles and partaking of the Lord's Supper and prayer as well as in their praises to God. And they didn't just do it on the first day of the week. They continued doing this on a daily basis. And they may not have partaken of every act of worship. They may not have done the Lord's Supper every day. We know that they did that on the first day of the week. But they did come together on a daily basis. They had fellowship with one another on a daily basis. They did so in the temple. They did it in their homes. But they brought glory and honor to God because they sacrificed of their time. And gave that to Him. Their fellowship and devotion 
was again it was something they did on a daily basis. Though we know that their assembling for formal worship was weekly, and we do have reference to that in Acts 20 and verse 7, and of course 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, they also had fellowship with one another daily. And today, even, we gather in the middle of the week, as well as on other occasions, for the purpose of fellowship, study, and worship. And we follow the example of the early church when we do that. There are a lot of people that don't think that Wednesday night Bible study is important. Or even Sunday night for that matter. But every time that we come together, every time that we assemble, it's important to God. And it should be important to us in the same way. As we sacrifice, and that's exactly what it is, as we sacrifice a portion of our time and attention to God, it is important that we devote ourselves fully to the task, preparing our hearts and our minds for His service. We should be willing to sacrifice all worldly cares and concerns to devote the whole of ourselves to God's service. Not whole, H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E. The whole of us, uh, our spiritual being, should be devoted to God. An incomplete sacrifice, or one that is not our very best, becomes vain worship. Uh, a worship of the lips, but not of the heart. Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. See, the Pharisees were guilty of that very thing. They worshipped God with their lips and outwardly they, they did it to their very best, but inwardly their heart was far from God and their worship became vain. And our worship too. If we come together and we don't devote ourselves fully to God, our worship also becomes vain. It's the giving of ourselves and, and abilities. And that's important to God. In worship, we give to God our voices in singing and in prayer. And in regard to singing, we're told in Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Our singing becomes, as many other things, a giving of thanks to God for all that He has done for us, including the gift of His Son. From a song leader perspective, because I have experience in that too, it's very discouraging to me to look out over a group of people and see those that, that don't want to sing. There are those that, that want to sing that really can't. They really don't have the voice for it in one way or another. But we should want to sing. Even if you can't sing, you should at least be following along with the words. You can move your lips. 
but devote that to God. Singing doesn't have to be the prettiest voice, but it's giving to God what's in your heart. It's an expression of what we feel. And I hope that we want to offer that to God. We should. Prayer. Uh, though we may not use all of our voices at one time in the worship service, that would, would go against the whole idea of being decent and in order. But it is an act of worship that we can participate in. We participate in, in the prayer. Whenever someone leads the prayer, we all participate in that prayer by listening to the words. By making the prayer of the one who is leading the prayer a prayer of our own, from our own hearts and minds. We usually say amen at the end of a prayer because we're agreeing with the thoughts that have been expressed in the prayer. And we make that prayer our own. It's something that we participate in. Every act of worship is something that we participate in in one way or another. And prayer is one of those things. And we give our attention to the sermon that is delivered. Applying the message spoken to our lives and adding to our understanding of God's will for us. And partaking of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, we give our attention to its meaning, the death of Christ on the cross on our behalf. And in our giving, we give to God accordingly as we have prospered. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 16 and verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. As the example had already been set in the churches of Galatia, and as command is given also to the church of Corinth, so we follow the same example in our worship today. It is the way that we give. We give on the first day of the week. We store up until that day. We give on the first day of the week as we have been prospered. We lay aside something of what we have been blessed with financially to give back to the service of God and His kingdom. Every Lord's Day, we set aside in our worship service a time in which our families can give back a portion of their means to God. And that is important to Him as well. In our giving, we are offering to God a sacrifice of what we have been blessed with. And in so doing, we are worshiping Him, bringing glory and honor to His name. That question may be raised, is giving actually worship? I would suggest to you that it is. Because our hearts and minds should be in what we are doing and how we are participating. And it does become a part of our worship in that regard. We're also told in Scripture how we are commanded to give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9, it says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. When we give back to God, we should never do it in a grudging manner. We should never do it in such a way as to, to, you know, reach into our pocket. Well, yeah, I guess I can give this. We should give out of a desire to give. And when we give out of a desire to give, then we are giving cheerfully. And that's what God wants. We should be happy to be able to give a portion of what we have been blessed with to help someone else. To help further the gospel. That should be something that we enjoy doing. So many times we, we lose our heart in doing that, don't, don't we? Our giving should be purposed in heart. It should be something that you do before you even get here. We should purpose what we're going to give. Don't just give of what we've got in our pockets, but, but purpose. Purpose what you're going to give. Set it aside whenever you're, you're making your budget and things of that nature. Purpose a certain amount for God. That's the way that God wants us to give. With purpose and to do it cheerfully. As I said before, whenever we look at, at giving, there's more to it than just giving of our means. Just because you put something in the basket doesn't mean that you are giving in the way that God wants you to give. Our giving goes beyond the worship service. It goes beyond these walls. Uh, again, our worship time is a sacrifice of ourselves to God. It's giving to Him what He rightfully deserves. But do not condense it to the four hours that we offer in our services. But as far as life is concerned, we are to give to God. There are many occasions in which we are commanded by God to give of our lives back to Him. God expects that our very lives as Christians be given to His service. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, and beginning with verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you offer your life as a sacrifice to God? How do we do that? You know, obviously, we can't become a sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. That's not what he's talking about here. But when we look at, at our lives, we offer our bodies, our very being, to God 
as a sacrifice to him. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? Because of what Christ did for us. He offered his life and he expects that we give our lives in return. What does that entail? There are many things that when we become Christians, we put away from us. Any sinful habits, we try to put ourselves far away from them. We try to change our lives. We become someone different. And we sacrifice those things. The things that once brought us pleasure, we sacrifice them for God. Sometimes it means sacrificing friends and family members that aren't faithful Christians because we don't want them to lead us away from God. And so we sacrifice them, at least in some regard. We, we sacrifice uh, time with them to give it to God. And sometimes you may have company come over and it's easy to say, especially on a Sunday or maybe a Wednesday night, well, you know, one service, skipping one service won't hurt me that much. But we sacrifice time that we could, could give to them to God because we want to be better Christians, because we want to improve ourselves. That's important. That's what being a living sacrifice is all about. We're not to be conformed to the world. We're not to be changed in, in such a way as to be like the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. On several occasions, the rich were told to give up their riches. We look at the case of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, what, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was told to sacrifice his riches to follow Christ. But he had trouble doing that. You see, he was so tied to those things of the world that he didn't want to let go. And so he had trouble making his life a living sacrifice for that reason because he was unwilling to sacrifice the pleasures of the world. Yet in giving up the riches of the world, we are offered the riches only found in God. Look at how the kingdom of heaven is referred to. Matthew 19, verses 23 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? 
If the rich can't be saved, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He said it was hard for a rich man to go uh, into eternity, to be in the kingdom of God, but he didn't say it was impossible. But why is it hard for a rich man to enter into eternity? It's hard because he's unwilling to sacrifice those riches. How do we become rich in God? Look at the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, verses 3 through 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You give up the things that the world values, and you can be happy in Christ. The world values wealth, so become poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world values happiness, so mourn and you'll be comforted. The world values strength, so be gentle and you shall inherit the earth. You see where I'm going with this? The world values having everything that we need, so hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you will be filled. The things that the world values, sacrifice them for the sake of Christ. And the kingdom of heaven can be yours. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24, the same sermon. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says a little bit further in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You sacrifice one or the other. Either you sacrifice the, the treasures of the world so that you can have treasure in heaven. Or you cling to the treasure of the world and you give up the treasure of heaven. You cannot have both. I want you to look at how the kingdom of heaven is described in Matthew 13. In verses 44 through 46. And notice what is said here. Notice the, the meaning here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Again, we have that idea of treasure. It is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. 
And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45 again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. As far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned, it requires that we give something. Notice the value of the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is often referred to interchangeably as, as the church, and also, as far as looking into eternity, we see the kingdom of heaven gathered there as well. But the kingdom, the church, the church that will one day enter into eternity is like treasure hidden in a field. Treasure is of great value. And when it is found, what happened? For joy over it, the one that has found this treasure sells all that he has. He didn't sell some of what he had to purchase the treasure. It was of such great value that he sold all that he had and buys the field. Same way with the merchant seeking beautiful pearls. He finds the one pearl of great price that is of of such great value that what does he do? He went and sold all that he had and bought it. Offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our life, our entire life, everything that we have once enjoyed, we sacrifice it for God. That's what it's all about. We see the value of the church. We see the value of the kingdom. We see the value of eternity that awaits us. And we sell everything that we have to be a part of that kingdom. We give up our lives to serve them to God. And He becomes our priority in everything in regard to family, in regard to our jobs, in regard to uh, going to school or education, in regard to everything in life. We now sacrifice that to God. He becomes our priority in all of those situations. We'll talk about family. You know, some were even told to sacrifice family to follow Christ. Matthew 8, verses 21 and 22. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Luke 12, verses 49 through 53. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all but rather division. For from now on five in one house will be divided. Three against two. Two against three. Father will be divided against son. Son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. and Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Sometimes, even family, as close as family is, sometimes we have to sacrifice those relationships for Christ. I've heard of people that have had to to basically give up the relationship with their family. They've been shunned for what they believe. That happens. Christ brings division. Sometimes it's our best friend. Maybe we have to, to part ways with them because we are following Christ and they're not. 
a living sacrifice. It requires giving something to God. Sometimes we have to give up some of the things that, that we have seen in this life as the, the greatest value for the cause of Christ. Now, not all cases and situations would involve such extreme sacrifices as these. But would you be willing to leave family behind for God? Would you be willing to give up worldly possessions for the sake of Christ? Would you be willing to sacrifice everything to be a faithful Christian? And if it does come down to you being in a situation like one of these that's described, have you made the proper sacrifices for the sake of God? Why? Why should we be willing to give up everything for God? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And looking at it from the standpoint of Christ, he says, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he did that for us. Why should we be willing to give these things to God, to make these sacrifices, to, to be the sacrifice that God wants us to be? Because he gave it all for us. Now, whether it is in regard to giving of our means to God or giving of life, our giving should involve some sort of sacrifice. Remember the widow that gave two mites and, and it was said of her that she gave all that she had because she didn't give out of the abundance like the riches had. But she gave out of her poverty and she gave everything. So even those two little mites that would be less than a penny to us She ended up giving all that she had. Paul sacrificed his life for the cause of Christ. In Philippians 3 and verse 7 he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. If He's going to gain eternity, He sacrificed everything that He knew in this life was of value. And he counted it but loss for Christ. But we are told that giving provides us with the greatest of satisfactions. Acts 20 and verse 35 we're reminded that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
In Luke 6 and verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Give to God, and it will be given to you. Are we giving to God our lives? Are we willing to sacrifice things that, that were once of value to us for the cause of Christ? Have you given Him your life? Have you fully committed yourself to Him? Start with, have you obeyed the gospel? Are you a child of God? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? If you've not done that, we'll be glad to help you in that need. If you've not, maybe you, you've wandered away. Maybe you've not repented. Maybe you need to come back. We'll be glad to help you with that as well. Make sure that you're offering God your very best in all that you do. If we can help you in any way, we give you that opportunity as together we stand, as we stand. Drink Christ